And the voice that came from the bright cloud was wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs of the King and His glory, and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven, through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated for the reading of our lessons from God's Holy Word.
not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise from the singing of the Alleluia verse.
following your son who we listen to your word our savior amen alright so in the third verse that we just sang and on our knees today it says our knees cannot always be our song while we're here on earth right we're getting ready for Lent and we talked about Jesus passion, Jesus suffering who did he suffer for? Jesus suffered for us, and he died for us, and he rose for us. So I want you to get a hallelujah picture and two crayons and turn these white pages into transfigured, beautiful pages, and we'll put them up on Easter and celebrate the return of hallelujahs, okay? Have a great week. Bring these back at the end of service, okay? Bring them, bring them to me in the back of the church, and we'll put them back in the church with us. We continue with the sermon in Jesus on the Mount of Peace on page 11.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The season of Epiphany is all about Jesus revealing who he really is. As he goes about his ministry, he tells to the crowds, to the disciples, and even to the scribes and Pharisees who he really is. He teaches, he preaches, he heals and performs miracles. Just this last week, Jesus spoke his words of interpretation of the law. He said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Jesus speaks as one having authority. And people noticed when he spoke as one with authority. They said, wait a minute. This Jesus is a rabbi, but he doesn't speak on the authority of the scriptures. He said, but I say to you. He speaks on his own authority. Who is this Jesus guy anyway? Well, that is exactly the right question. And it's the question that's answered in our gospel text this morning. In it, Jesus takes the first of his disciples... Peter, James, and John, up onto a mountain by themselves. Jesus is always going up into mountains to pray, to get away from the crowds, and to rest. So the disciples are probably pretty excited to be taken up with Jesus for his special prayer time. You can picture the scene. They're up on the mountain. It's a calm and peaceful day. They can look down on the beauty of God's creation as they see the nation of Israel laid out around them. Then suddenly, something changes. More specifically, Jesus changes. He is transfigured before them. His face shines as brightly as the sun. His robes become as white as light itself. This is an awe-inspiring sight. Peter, James, and John are seeing Jesus as no one has ever seen him before. They see Jesus in his glory, his majesty, in his awesome power. This is a wonderful vision of God, and it's given as a gift to to the disciples whom Jesus first called. Then, just as suddenly, they're no longer alone. Two men are speaking to Jesus, Moses and Elijah. Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets. Jesus has come to fulfill them both. Now Peter, in typical Peter impulsive fashion, is pretty excited about what's happening here. And so he says, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter wants to stay on the Mount of the Transfiguration. He wants to behold the awesome beauty that Jesus has brought to him as he speaks with Moses and Elijah. But God has some other plans. While Peter was still speaking, as though God himself came down to interrupt him, behold, A bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. 
listen to him. Suddenly, the disciples realize what's really going on here. They understand why Jesus took them up on a mountain. And they remember another mountain. Another mountain covered in a cloud, with a voice speaking from the very heavens themselves. Everything clicks into place. This mountain of the transfiguration is not so different from another mountain in Israel's history. Mount Sinai. It stands over the landscape. A cloud covers it. God's voice thunders out of the cloud, shaking the very foundations of the world. The people of Israel are afraid. They are told to stay away, not even to touch the mountain, lest they die. And here, here on God's holy mountain, his law comes. It is chiseled into tablets of stone. Here, God speaks the Ten Commandments, every you shall and you shall not. And these echoes of the past are what ring in the disciples' ears. Here they are. They're on a mountain. It's overshadowed by a cloud. A figure stands before them, shining as brightly as the sun. God the Father's voice rings from the heavens. The Mount of Transfiguration and Mount Sinai are one. This is what the disciples begin to understand, and with their understanding comes fear. Peter, James, and John were content to bask in the glory of God, but now they've realized exactly what that means. Now they have remembered the mountain of God's law. They remember the Ten Commandments. They remember the words of Jesus. You have heard it said, but I say to you. And it all rings against them like hammer blows. God's standard is made clear And by it, the disciples remember each and every one of their sins. They are not worthy to stand in the presence of the Most Holy God. They desired to be there in God's presence, but now they've realized that they cannot stand His holiness. So what do the disciples do? Do they make excuses? Do they try to justify themselves before God so that they can stand on his holy mountain? Do they look for loopholes and technicalities, reading God's law like a lawyer, trying to find every little way that they could have kept the commandments? Do they tell that to God so that he will not smite them where they stand? Well, no. They don't. The disciples fall to the ground with their faces in the dirt. They're terrified. And so they cast themselves entirely on the mercy of God. The disciples are lying there, cringing, faces in the dirt. They're terrified that they have come to God's mountain to be destroyed. But then they feel someone touch them on the shoulder, and a voice speaks to them, a familiar voice. Jesus speaks to them, not in rumbles of Sinai thunder, but in gentleness and in peace. The voice that rang from the heavens told the disciples to listen to him. And so they do, as Jesus says, Rise and have no fear.
This is what the Son of God says. The very same Son of God who sharpened the law, expanding it until it was clear that no man was righteous. This is the same Son of God who spoke that law with his own authority. And he says to the disciples, the ones who have realized they are totally and completely unworthy, rise and have no fear. So the disciples rise. Again, they are alone. Just Jesus is there. And his face isn't shining like the sun. His robes have returned to their usual color. Jesus, once again, looks like any other man. And together, they come down off of the mountain. Now, the first of Jesus' disciples really understand who Jesus is is. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He's even God himself coming to visit his people. But even with this understanding, they still don't have the full picture. The season of Epiphany. It's all about who Jesus is. But that's still only half the picture. The disciples now know that Jesus is God, but what they don't know is what he came to do. In that moment, coming down off of the mountain, they are overjoyed. They have seen God and lived. But Jesus did not just come to show Peter, James, and John his glory. For Jesus walks down from Mount Sinai, out of the glory cloud and down into the world. He goes down so that he may go up again. For Jesus' destination is on another mountain, not a mountain of glory, but a mountain of suffering, a mountain with no cloud covering it, a mountain where Peter certainly will not say, it is good, Lord, to be here. Jesus walks down off of Mount Sinai so that he can ascend Mount Calvary. Now, as the disciples descend from the mountain, they probably wanted to shout for joy, to sing Alleluia, the song of gladness. But just as we sang this morning, Alleluia cannot always be our song while here below. And neither can it be Christ's. For Alleluia, our transgressions will make Christ for a while forego all the glories of Mount Sinai. He will come down off of that mountain, exchanging the glory of Sinai for the glory of Calvary. For the cross, that is Christ's true glory. The mountain of the transfiguration is the clearest statement of who Jesus is. But Mount Calvary is the clearest statement of what Jesus came to do. And Jesus came to suffer. He came to die. And we are Christians. We are those who follow Christ. Yes, we follow him and we behold his Sinai glory. But Christ does not stop on that mountain. Peter builds no tents for Jesus there. So we follow Jesus as he goes down off of Sinai 
and up to the mountain of suffering and death. Holy suffering and a holy death, to be sure. Now Jesus has words for us as we come down off of the mountain. They are the same words that he had for his disciples because he knew what was coming. He knew what they would soon face. Jesus said, Rise and have no fear. He says, Rise and have no fear, dear Christian, because I took the punishment for your sin. Rise and have no fear of the wrath of God, for it has been poured out on me. Rise in the face of your suffering, and have no fear in the face of your death. For suffering and death are not signs that I have abandoned you. Those are the very things that I came to do. Even I did not remain on the mountain of my glory. So rise, dear Christian, and have no fear. Rise and follow me through the sufferings of this life. And have no fear in the face of your death. For I have given you eternal life. So, we rise, and having no fear, we follow our Lord. We follow Jesus off the mountain of the Transfiguration. We leave behind Sinai glory with our alleluias as we follow Christ to Calvary during this dark season of Lent. But even though we walk through the darkness, even though we go down to suffer for Christ's sake, we fear no evil. For Christ has walked this road before us, and he will surely take us to its end. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds steadfast in the one true faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen. We rise and confess our faith in the words of the Nicene I believe in one God, the Father of Christ, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten and not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. Who for us then and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Christ's power to be suffered and his buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
first day, remember Amy Waltz, where I had English mother who battled with cancer. Beth Fleming's nephew Isaac for continued recovery that he may be able to return home. For John Bartlett, John and Linda Bennett's nephew, um, for healing after a kidney transplant before the donor of his kidney. For Charles and Pat Moore, neighbors of Ruth Selmeyer, who both were suffering from serious health issues. For Ruth Selmeyer, who's doing well and back home, walking with a cane. For Lisa Kemp, I suggest a heart failure. For the family of Chuck Jones, who died this last week. For Kenneth Tom, John Todd's father, has an operable brain tumor. For Don Freeman, after surgery on March 27th for a painful nerve. A prayer of um, joy for Kyle and Laura Schlaven, the birth of their new baby boy, Jonah. And for the family of Carolyn Hunter, who died this last week. In peace, let us pray to the Lord.
that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who at his transfiguration revealed his glory to his disciples, that they might be strengthened to proclaim his cross and resurrection, and with all the faithful, before the glory of life everlasting. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and
thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 